What's going on, everybody? This is Drew here. I want to welcome you all to a brand new episode of Phoenix Down. This is Phoenix Down episode number 93.2, and we are continuing and finishing our playthrough of Folklore. Uh, today I have with me Matt. Hello again. And uh, yeah, so we are finishing uh, because, well, I wasn't able to record last week. I was going to, but uh, unfortunately... Uh, I had to work until 8.30 that night, and, well, I was very tired. Um, but, yeah, we're going to talk about the, <laughs> pretty much from the middle to the end <laughs> of folklore. Yeah. Um, but uh, the last time, last thing we left off was we were getting ready to go into Chapter 4, um, which was the... Time level. I can't remember what the actual name of the level was. Or it might have been like the end of time or something like that. Yeah, this is where I, I kind of thought maybe the game was going to be too hard for me because that level three boss with the sea worm was just a pain in the butt. And I, I just wasn't sure was that the start of a crazy ramp in difficulty? Uh, the game does get weird in chapter four, and I had problems with it, but it wasn't due to like combat difficulty. Yeah, so, so far the levels haven't been difficult. It's been the bosses that have been. Yeah. Chapter four, the level is difficult, but the boss is easy. <laughs> like, yeah. abnormally easy. Um, with both characters. Like, uh, typically I have a better, easier time with Keats than I do with Ellen. Yeah, um, me too. I, uh, Keats has that ultimate ability that allows him to, like, you know, morph into a Super Saiyan and, and not take damage. Uh, Ellen does not have that. She can switch her costumes, her cloaks. Uh, I finally got a second cloak. Technically, I got a third cloak at the end of the game. Yeah. Um, but I didn't get any other cloaks, and, and I, I actually went and looked it up. There's, like, some really dumb like conditions to unlock <laughs> some of these cloaks and i'm just like yeah i'm not putting that kind of time in. I, I never did a side quest in this game yeah it's the kind of thing i didn't really either i'm still glad they're in there because if i had a desire to come back to this game that's the kind of thing i would like to do like it other than just replaying it like i like that there are at least some hooks in there you could go back in hopefully and you know, play the side missions, try and get the cloaks. There's some stuff in there which is of some value. So let me ask uh, you, Matt, because um, yep. uh, this is something that I did. Did you finally ever decide, hey, let me level up some of my my folk? I don't think I ever did. Okay. <laughs> so I had a little bit of an easier time with this last chapter. And I think it's because I took about maybe an hour, two hours to specific folk that I captured and said, I like how this attack works. Let me see how I can make it stronger. Yeah, and there are certainly, like, despite there being like a hundred different folk, folk in this game, I definitely found myself using the same six or seven or so as much as possible. Right. So, the. Uh, my my big crew for a long time was um Bargast, 
like the the big guy you the, oh, yeah. the first mini boss you ran into in the first at the first level. And I I was like I, I like him because he does that hard hit, you know, uh, and it, sometimes it can knock guys down. Um, there's another one called D Gasser. Yep, I which, used him quite a lot. Which is like the big robot thing. Um, and then uh, e- even all the way up to the end through the last level, that was one of my favorites. Oh, D Gasser was great because he had that charge yeah. attack. Yeah, the charge, but also isn't D Gasser the one that can hit flying enemies? Yeah, because he's so tall. Yeah, because he's so tall, like that. That turned out to be a pain for me towards the end of the game, and I needed I needed a character that could hit flying enemies. Right. So, um, and then uh, like if I had to switch out my elements, which we'll get into, because man, there was a part in the Hell World where there was a guy, and I didn't know what I was supposed to do to kill him. <laughs> like, and I still like I just randomly just kept changing. Yeah. Uh, um, I think you know who I'm talking about, but, um, anyway, uh, so I can't, you gotta keep in mind that like this was two weeks ago when I did a lot of this stuff. And the problem is, is that we're getting all the story piecemeal. And then in chapter five, we see everything that we've talked about recapped and in one place at the same time. Yeah, it's the way they dole it out is clearly not a strength of this game. No, but it's a step beyond that for me. It's not even that they release the story bits piecemeal. It's that there's so much repetition of some things. It's really hard to know, like sometimes even what's new. I'm like, I, I feel like I've heard this three or four times, but have I just heard most of this three or four times? And one little sliver of it is new. Like it, the, the way that you repeat between the two characters in the way that even as you're going throughout the story, there's just a lot of repetition. It's not a, you know, a a clear linear story where you go from A to B to C to D. It's, it's a lot of backtracking, a lot of repeating, but what we've told you already, but, you know, maybe with, you know, one additional detail and that, that to me at first, I kind of thought it was a little bit of a benefit. I'm like, I, I like the idea of, a simple story that's enriched. Like the more you play, the more detail you get, the the broader my understanding and my appreciation would be of the story. So I don't necessarily hate that structure of it, but it's you know it, it's some combination of the lack of new information and the repetition that just it, it really kept me from from feeling like more invested in it, more involved in it. Yeah. So. I feel like they delivered the story of the Netherworld a lot better than they did the story of what's up with Ellen and what's up with this town. What happened 17 years ago? They yeah, and they they, they, they almost that horribly do it oppositely. Yeah, they do it all, yeah almost oppositely because while the last few episodes, Matt, you've been saying that you find the Netherworld story intriguing, like what's up with this fairy lord? What's up with this? This rebellious Levan, Levain, whatever you want to call her, um, yeah. person, and they finally get into that. In fact, they get into it starting probably in the next chapter, and that's actually told in a way better way than how they piecemeal give us the story of Ellen and the town of Doolin. And I just like I was like I. I 
you get nothing. At the end of every level, you get absolutely nothing. You learn just a little bit, or you learn something that you've already known. Like, yep. like who is this Cecilia girl? Okay, well, the big reveal at the end of this four, chapter four is, oh, it's actually Ellen, which we all kind of figured that. Yeah, that was not the biggest shocker in the world. No. And so um, I do want to mention the bosses, because the bosses are kind of the standouts of this entire game. Um, the boss of chapter four, after you beat the, which I should mention the level, the level is the most tedious friggin' level in the world. It's yeah, yeah. the longest level. It's gotta be the longest level, right? <laughs> if you play it the way I did, it could, it could literally be indefinite. Oh yeah. But I, I figured it out. So I played the, played it first with Keats and, uh, um, I just, I, I, I figured, oh, I need to like, I saw that guy with the clock. I chased after him, and then I went into the next room, and there's four guys with a clock, but then some of them disappear, and then one of them keeps going. So I was like, okay, I get it. It's like, you know, it's like the lost forest. You gotta keep following the same person. So I went through, and I made it to the end of that, and then there's a timer saying, you gotta beat this guy in a certain amount of time. I was like, oh god. (laughs) And so I beat him, and then all the, all the exits are blocked except for one, so I went through it. And then I'm in a save point, which is the first save point I've seen in an hour. And so, all right, all right. And then they tell me, oh, you got to beat. There's a monster with a light bulb over his head. And if you got to beat him first. So you beat him and then it automatically the fight ends and you go to the next part. You have to do that three times. Then you go back. You're sent back to the room where the guy, you have to beat him in a certain amount of time. Then a new part opens up. Then I go through it again. They're like, oh, now there's the enemy with the light bulb. You beat him last. And this is when I finally discovered, oh, you can just kill these monsters rather than having to pull the the spirit out of them. Yeah. Like for the longest Which, time, I was thinking I have to pull the spirit out of these guys. But some of them are, they got me locked into a, you know, a waggle mini game. Yeah. Like I'm just like, how do I do this? I get, I'm getting hit while I'm doing this waggle thing and it knocks me out of it. Yeah, I, I actually saw both of those things as somewhat welcome changes. I like the fact that you can kill them outright because if you're leveling up your characters, right, it's you don't have to go through the waggle, but you also don't get the XP from killing them, I don't think. Um, so, you know, to me, that's a little bit of a, a decent balance in addition to the fact that sometimes you just have to kill them because once you get locked into that waggle battle, you're so susceptible that you just you know you, you can't risk um, stealing their soul. So uh, that that part of it, I don't know. It, it's not terribly important, I don't think, to the gameplay. But you know, I, I'd rather it was there than it wasn't. Yeah, right, especially later in the game, it's key. It would be so freaking annoying if it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. Um. Uh, but the other thing I really liked, I, I kind of liked those rooms where there was a little bit of. I, I didn't really like the time puzzle because uh, with, with the whatever that guy's name is, the Clockman. Yeah, I did. I didn't like necessarily that you had a time limit because that was the was the shaking. You had to shake to beat him, right? Yeah. And of all the different ways that you interact with the souls, that's the one. That was like the hardest for me because it's the easiest one to lose progress on that bar. Yeah, you had to hold it still whenever he's standing up straight. 
It's yeah. Yeah. But I did I did like when you like it's like kill the light bulb enemy first three times, kill it last three times. Because I almost wish there was a whole section of that, like little challenge rooms, right? Like try to get this one enemy spirit, right? And they they do plenty of things to make that more difficult. Because I think, like like a lot of games, I I actually really like the combat of this game when it when it works. But so often you just kind of can mash your way through it, and you don't need to really exploit some of the. You know the nuances. I I do like that. There's so many like elemental blocks, so that you have to switch up a little bit. Otherwise, I would have just found my my favorite set of four and never changed it, and and that would have really devalued the combat in this game. Yeah. So I I like that they force you to use different characters, but I also wish that there was some mechanism to go a step further and force you to use other strategies as well as other folks, like kind of like the boss fights do a little bit. Well, see, the thing is, the final boss. Like, I found that I could just use destroy on it, even though I looked at the pages, and yeah, I hit it with a monster that you get later on. You get it in hell. Um, the dude—it like, looks like a cyclops, but it has like the horns. It's like a big, big dude. Yeah, I can't, I can't remember the name of it. He does like a charge move, um, like a, like a, like a, a hard like punch, like move move forward and punch at the same time. Um. And that's where, where I'll get into where I, I decided to level up some monsters to mm. make them more powerful or, or what do they call it? Release karma to make them more powerful. Cause that guy was the Mike Tyson champion for <laughs> me. I can't remember the ball that. rug. It was in hell. It was in the hell level. And it was the, it was like a big dude who looked like, who looked like a cyclops, but he was like a hairy cyclops. Yeah, I remember. I, he was kind of annoying when you fight. He's the one that you fight for the first time by like a little river. Yes. And 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 in order to uh, release karma, you have to beat him three times. I'm like, oh god, okay. <laughs> but uh, anyway, um, so yeah, um, uh, the the boss. I'll talk about the boss. Um, the boss of chapter four is. Finally, we find out what the save file is called because I kept every time I'd save the game, it would say flesh rum. And I'm like, what the heck's a flesh rum? Um, but flesh rum is the name of this boss of chapter four. It's got to be some kind of a glitch or something, right? Like a typo, you mean? Or, or I don't know because like, flesh room, okay, it's a living room, I guess. Oh, yeah, it's supposed to be, but it looked it's spelled flesh rum. Yeah, um, anyway. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's like the living room, uh, which is, there's a SCP, uh, story about that. <laughs> if anybody knows what SCP is. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, so it, the, this boss is, I, the, I would go as far as to say the easiest boss. Eh, yeah. No, uh, at the first boss was pretty easy. Yeah. I mean, the first level. Yeah. I mean, everything at right at the beginning was pretty easy. Yeah. But, um, this one, you just have to hit it in the eyes with water or ice, depending on the character you're playing as. Uh, and then it tries to slam hands down on you. Uh, and then you drop uh, something heavy on its mouth, which is right in the middle of the room. And that's pretty much it. I mean, it's it's easy. Yeah. 
the foot was easy to dodge. Yeah. I think the the wind or whatever it was that was coming through the windows, the the gusts of light maybe. Mm-hmm. Th- those were all kind of easy, I thought, to avoid. Yeah. At least they they were well telegraphed. But um, but like I said, the big reveal for chapter four is we find out Ellen is actually Cecilia, the little girl from seventeen years ago, who was friends with Herve. Excuse me, Herve. Herve. Yeah, we find out his name is actually Herve instead of Herve because they pronounce it. And I'm like, what? This is, <laughs> this is stupid. Yeah, I'd be glad. I'd be happier if you didn't pronounce it. Yeah. Let me imagine a name that makes a little more sense. Um, and then it's off to chapter five, which is the hell realm. Um, getting there is different. And I actually kind of enjoy, I, I thought it was really cool. I thought the scene was really cool. How you get to the hell realm because you don't, you go th- to the hell room or the hell realm all right, we've been going to the netherworld via people's memories, particularly dead people's memories. This time around, we go into Ellen or Cecilia's memories, but it's her repressed memories. So come to find out, uh, O'Connell, that guy that we keep wondering who the hell he is because he just showed up, He's a psychologist and he decides to do some repressive memory psychology on Ellen to figure out what happened 17 years ago. <laughs> and he records it. Um, and uh, Ellen doesn't remember any of it, but um, she finds the tape. Um, the tape. Wait, did somebody else died? Harriet. Is this when? Yeah, Harriet died. Harriet dies. Yeah. The woman in the wheelchair. Uh, yeah, we find her dead. That's when everybody's like, "Oh crap!" There's there's a killer running around, and we need to like hide somewhere together. <laughs> so they all hide in the the church at night. So that allows Ellen to go find the videotape of her being hypnotized. Hey, fun. A fun little tidbit. Matt thinks hypnotism is a complete utter trash. <laughs> uh, so it's funny. We, we were talking about that and then all of a sudden we're, there's hip, there's hip, hypnosis in this game. Um, but I thought the scene where she's watching the tape and how basically the TV kind of starts to meld with the world and she goes in through the TV. Yep, I think th- this way of getting into the netherworld, and then is it the next one where it opens right in town, in the middle of town? Yeah. Like, th- those two together had me, like, imagining this whole other game where this was, like, the door to, well, I guess the, the netherworld, but, like, that it was infecting kind of real life, normal life. It's kind of like... Uh, um Cthulhu kind of stuff, like uh, H. yeah, Lovecraft. yeah, exactly. Um, yep. God, what was the name of that movie? Uh, it had the guy from Reanimator in it, Jeffrey Coombs. Yeah, 
I love Jeffrey Combs. But he, he was in another movie that was a lot like that, and it was H.P. Lovecraft. Uh, and it was like shit. the scientists found a way to like open up the other realm that we couldn't see, and like these creatures started coming out of it. Hmm. From beyond, maybe. Yeah, from beyond. I don't think I've seen that. I definitely need to. Dude, it's crazy. I mean, it's straight up like Cthulhu stuff. I was just talking about how he's one of my favorite actors. Like when he shows up randomly in a movie, there's something about him. He's, you know, he's on my short list. And I watched a truly terrible horror movie just last night that he just showed up in called Parasomnia. Okay. And uh, he's not in it very much, but he's probably the best part of that movie. He he did another movie called The Dunwich Horror, apparently. He's got some Lovecraft in his catalog. Is it Reanimator technically Lovecraft? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Okay. So yeah, From Beyond. That's that's what it reminds me of. Hmm. Uh, just just he was, just, the, he was on the Frighteners too. Holy crap. Yes, he was. He um wasn't he the FBI agent? Or no? Yep. Yeah, he was yep. the FBI agent. Let's see here. Yeah, from. I talked to him one time at a conference and about Reanimator. Uh yeah, he's a funny guy. I like him. Obsessive scientist uh, successfully discovers a way to ex- access a parallel universe of pleasure by tapping into the brain's penal gland. When he is seemingly killed by forces from his this other dimension, his assistant, Dr. Crawford, uh, is accused of murder after psychiatrist and detective take the case the trio risk a return to the other world in order to solve the mystery yeah that's it from beyond he was also in H.P. Lovecraft's Necronomicon 1993 there you go anyway um, so yeah uh, we find ourselves in the hell realm I think is what it's called yep Uh, and this is this isn't the hell that I thought it was going to be there's it's rocky and there's rivers. Yeah, I f- I figured there was just you know fire. Um, but there is a part in this game that makes you feel like you're going through hell, <laughs> and it's at this part. Uh, so the the rocky rivers and stuff like that is not the problem. It's uh, later on in this level. When you go up the tower. Yeah, the elevator. The elevator to hell. <laughs> so the elevator is, we, we might as well call this game's gauntlet. It's probably, what, five sections of nothing but fighting? Yeah, because I, I think it's like, well, it depends if you count like the floors as well as the the rides. Yeah. Because I, I would have, I would have guessed four rides on the elevator plus three or four floors that you have to fight enemies on. The rides aren't that bad; it's the floors. This is where they start throwing those. Um, they look almost like Grim Reapers. Yep. That float around and have the scythes. They're different elements. They got like a wind one and an ice one, and I think there's a fire one. 
Those guys are really annoying. Yeah, they were at first for me. I, I never considered them as annoying as the birds. Like, the birds in this level really killed me. Because you get dive-bombed so hard from off-screen on this level and then also on the last level. Yeah. You get those little prickly fruit-looking flying enemies. Yeah, could not stand those things. Oh, yeah. But, um, yeah, going through the Hell Realm, this is where we start to get more backstory into what actually happened in the Nether Realm. Um, so, 5,000 years ago, um, something happened in the Nether Realm that affected the living world. Um, so, prior to 5,000 years ago, human beings consciously knew that the Nether Realm existed. Because of this, people knew that life would happen after death. And they decided to not care what happened to them or what happened to others. So there was a lot of killing and people not really caring if they die. Because, hey, I just keep living in the nether realm. Who cares? So, uh, Levane, uh, the, the rebel leader, uh, decided this needed to change. So she went to the nether realm core and there she used a spear to pierce one of the trees that stand in the core. Uh, basically there's one that is a receptor and one that is a receiver. So, uh, one tree takes things from the living world when it dies and then brings it to the nether world. The other tree takes things from the nether world and brings it to the living world. She stabbed the tree that took things from the nether world and took it to the living world, essentially making human beings that were alive not know about the nether world. So now yep. I thought that was awesome to be honest. That's that's a that's an intriguing story. I was like, okay, I get it now. That makes sense. So she basically wanted to save humanity by saying, Look, you guys need to be afraid of death. That way human beings will live their life to the fullest, and then when they die, they still come to the netherworld and just continue living. Because as it stands right now, there's no consequences, so nobody really cares. So we're just going to kill each other, and we're just going to not care if we die. I, I likened it to basically like you know Vikings. Vikings were never really afraid to die because they knew Valhalla was waiting for them. You know, yeah, uh, that kind of thing. So or any futuristic movie where you know you're you're just going to get uploaded. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, she did that to make human beings start living their life to the fullest. If people fear death, then they'll say, well, this is the only life I have. So let me make it a good one. Yeah. And I like that this serves like two purposes. A, like it gives you your rationale for conflict between the two factions, if you will, of the netherworld, which is, to be honest, all it really needed to do at a minimum. 
Like now, now you know, like, all right, maybe each one of our characters are on a different side. You know, maybe you're going into the end game thinking, I need to pick which side I'm going to side with, and I'm going to have one triumph over the other. Uh, you know, and and at least there's there's kind of a, a morally ambiguous, ambiguous. They both think they're doing the right thing, and I was like, all right, as a as a mechanism for setting up the conflict between these two factions, job done. But then the fact that it also ties into like current day, it's you know, and anytime you get that, and here's why we can't see the fairy world anymore. It all stems back to this one event. Like just thinking how that's cascaded through the five thousand years to affect everybody in Doolin, everybody in the world, in addition to justifying that conflict. The fact that you could do both of that, like to me, is is a really nice way to tie the present with with the past or or the nether world with the human world. Yeah. I just I thought that was a really simple, really elegant way to like tie this game together fairly well. Yeah. I I, I never thought it was going to be more uh I didn't think it was going to be direct like that. I figured yeah. the nether world was just like, eh, like kind of like how Keats is. Like, I don't give a crap about any of this. I don't care about your little war. This is, this is separate from my world. Yeah. And, and, but now it's like, no, no, this is, there's things that happen in this world that have affected you directly. You just don't realize it. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, we, we go through the gauntlet. Uh, of of the elevator to hell, holy crap! I hated it. I hated it so much. And then there's <laughs> there's an enemy here. It looks like the enemies from Chapter Four, like the little samurai looking guys. Oh, we're at the top of the once yeah. you've reached the top level. Yeah, yeah. And nothing I did hurt this guy. And he would turn. He would turn pure black like a shadow. And then sometimes he would turn back. And I was like, I don't, there's something going on here, and I couldn't figure it out. So finally I had to look it up. You have to hit him with sleep, which I never freaking use. Yeah. And then you have to hit him with something else, but I can't remember what it was. And I was like, that's the most annoying thing ever. Cause I couldn't do anything. I was like, I don't, I don't know what to do here. I thought, I fought this guy. I fought this battle for like probably six minutes and said, okay, nothing's happening, but I can't. I feel like I had the opposite experience here, but equally as not great. So what, what happened? I I could swear I got to the top of this tower, fought this guy, killed him outright immediately, and then I was like, shit, it never opened. The door never opened. So then I thought that I had to go back, and I thought maybe I needed the the six books in this level or something to open that final door. So I wasted a good hour and a half going back up and down the elevator – Suffering that gauntlet repeatedly because I was like, all right, I missed a miss something in one of these rooms because I already beat the boss at the top, but I don't have something else that I need to open the door. And I just I, – I gave up after a while. I was like, oh, right. I need to steal a soul in order to progress. I can't kill him. That doesn't do you any good. Yeah. So annoying. <laughs> but after making that – um we get a little bit more. So Matt, I know you said that it's nice that they have two sides of the coin, right? And both of them <laughs> have their, their, their ways of being, you know, they're right on this end and some people are right on the other end. 
But no, they finally just come out and say that the Fairy Lord is bad. Yeah. Uh, not not directly here, but they did say, um, essentially, you get betrayed by him. So at the top of this tower is the court where people are judged for their sins. Obviously, this is not the Judeo-Christian version of the <laughs> Netherworld. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, so there's a judge there. and uh, Yeah, I frankly loved the end of this level. Like that, the big scene that you get. With Keats popping in at the last minute. Yeah, Keats popping in. Just everything about it reminded me of like a a dark and twisted like Alice in Wonderland type vibe, and I I just really really liked the end of this level. This whole level's probably my favorite level of the game. Yeah, it was definitely definitely way better. Um, so what ends up happening is uh, the the fairy lord says she's here to be judged, pointing to Ellen. And Ellen's like, whoa, wait a minute. And he's like, no, you don't get it. This world is from your dark memories. And she's like, oh, God. So they arrest her and bring her before the judge. And the judge is not having, he, he's, he's, you know, just, you know, off with her head kind of thing. Uh, charges her, call, says she's guilty, and then Keats busts in <laughs> into the courtroom. And he's like, not so fast, sucker. <laughs> uh, and so we have a fight with the judge. <laughs> well, I also like any of these games where, or, you know, any, any story where someone is being accused of something like this, you know, and they're asking, like, did you do this? And she's like, well, yes, I did, but whatever the explanation is and she's like but i just wanted you know i just wanted answers i wasn't i didn't mean to hurt anybody and they're like doesn't matter i don't care what your intent was you did hurt people and you did affect the netherworld and i, I just i thought that was kind of cool yeah so um the judge fight i died here i didn't th he, he wasn't as big of a pushover as a flesh room was uh, yeah, I, th I think I might have died once. I liked I liked that it was a bit more of an arena than some of them. Yeah, this was definitely was, a it, it circular felt, room. <laughs> yeah, it, it felt more like a normal boss fight. Something like Flesh Room felt strange. Like right, the things you're attacking are the wall and then the middle. Right, it, it was more almost like a like a trap or a, a test that you needed to pass. Whereas this was more like, like a clearly a boss fight and he goes through different phases and yeah. Yeah. So he, he's in all these mirrors that are floating around. You got to knock him out of the mirrors. And then this is where I also use the guy who charged. Is it, is it Fulmoyer? Fulmoyer? Fulmoyer. Yeah, I think so. I don't know the names of these things. That's that's the one I used on this a lot. Yeah. Um, and then uh, he's in the middle, and he has is it fire surrounding him. I can't remember. Yeah, fire or lightning. Then you got to knock it off of him with a certain element, and then you can finally yep. attack him. Yep. Um. But after beating him, that's when we 
we start to we get it. Oh, the fairy lord's actually bad, but we don't know why he's bad. He just he. We think at this point we think he's just doing it so he can get to the netherworld core. Um, but that's I think at the end of this is when we start finally realizing, you know, we get the more of the backstory of like Levain and stuff like that. Yeah. With, with like yo, I yeah I I tried to save humanity, make them live for their life, kind of thing, and stuff like that. Um, and then in the the regular world, the living world, that's when we are given some more piecemeal information. Uh, the I, I want to say probably what's the what's the biggest reveal at the end of chapter five. Uh, I, I can't even remember. I don't think there was a big reveal. I think the big reveal was we're no longer switching characters. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that's all. I'm not sure what else it was. Because when Chapter 6 starts, it basically just keeps going until the end. I mean, there is obviously a break in there, but I mean, the next, I wouldn't even call the next part a level, really. It's like, yeah, it's definitely the shortest. It's like five rooms with a bunch of fights in it. Yeah. Um, this is basically where we, we, we switch off between the two characters in chapter six. Um, and basically have a boss fight with each character's leader. So if you're playing as Keats, you have to fight as, you have to fight against the Fairy Lord. And if you're playing as Ellen, you have to fight against Levain. And you're going, I'm pretty sure this, they consider this heaven, right? So we're at the Netherworld core. Yeah, yeah, they don't call it heaven, but I guess that's the closest. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, cause it's like green pastures and it seems like it's floating up in the sky. This is where my least favorite part of the end of this game started to creep up though, which is the lack of save points or yes. the distance between the save points and the boss fights. Yeah. Like the, the fact that I have to go through multiple rooms and also like locked rooms that I have to fight my way out of. Like I, I, this isn't the kind of thing where like a they could tune the boss to be harder because I'm just going to keep trying it over and over again. Like I, I couldn't attempt these last fights more than two or three times before I'm like, all right, I'm done for the day. I mean that 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 was an hour or an hour and a half that I might have just wasted. Um, not really because I, it's not like any boss was so hard that I had to go more than two or three times. So. In some ways, I think that the tuning was probably right for the difficulty for me. Yeah, but but I I didn't necessarily love having to replay large sections of the level just to get back to the point that I was stuck on. Yeah, yeah, trust me, I I wasn't too happy with it either. Now I didn't die here, um, and I like I said, I did um, release some karma for some of my uh, folk. And it yep. made some of the fights easier, but I'll tell you this: uh, the Fairy Lord is a pushover compared to Levain. Yep. 
Holy Levain's the one that she would crap. like. You have to fight two other enemies at the same time. They're charging you. She's shooting out balls of energy. She's also floating up into the sky to dodge you for a while. Plus, she moves around pretty quickly. That's her, right? Yeah, she's the one that has like the ball of energy around her, and you have yep. to smash the ball first, and yep. then she's kind of stunned for a second. The thing about her was was that she would basically just like bum rush you. And like she had this like long spear that would like instantly knock you out of a combo. And I'm just like, gosh, man, I was like, I can't stand this. The only good thing that came out of this was that the little minions that float around sometimes dropped life drops that would heal me. Did they really? Yes. Oh, I don't think I ever saw one. Or every every once if in I a saw while. it, I assumed it was an enemy or painful. But um, yeah, it was it, like these. These were this was like a mini gauntlet in and of itself. Like the rooms, I don't think were too difficult, but the boss fights definitely were. And this, like you said, like the save points were just so far away from each other. Yeah, I mean, it, at least it feels end game ish. Right, I mean, at least you're fighting these main characters, so it feels like it's, you know, all right. I I don't want to have to replay fights like on any random fight in a random level, but I I do expect a bit of a challenge when I'm fighting Levon, for example. Right, I know she's important to the story. Not that that makes it less annoying, but slightly, I could put up with it slightly more when I know that it's pushing to the end game. Right. So basically, throughout this level if you will, we're getting all the story that we knew that was given to us piecemeal is now chunked together in one way, in one big thing. And it just, (sighs) there were some mysteries that were still not solved. Like, okay, so we know that Cecilia has the ability to see fairies because she's a child. On top of that, Herv, Herve, her friend, she knows is dying. He has some kind of illness. So she wants to pray to the fairies to heal him. She then realizes that there's a spell an ancient spell that she could do that could then save Herve. She has to do a blood sacrifice. So, she decides to slit her wrists. <laughs> yeah, not just any blood. Yeah. So, she's basically wanting to give up her life to save Herve. Unfortunately, before she can die from blood loss, Dr. Lester finds her. She is bleeding profusely, injured. He then takes her back to his clinic. And this is, we finally get this information, but we never knew. Everybody blames Cecilia for Hervé's death. But nobody knew how it happened. Now we finally get it. Hervé decided to give up his life 
because she lost so much blood that Hervé would have to give up his blood to give to her. So he did blood transfusions, became too weak to survive, and then died. Now, here's the big thing. We always got those weird flashes of Hervé's parents really, really upset about something. Mm-hmm. Now we know why. They blame Cecilia for Hervé's death because Hervé gave up his life for hers. And so they are very upset with Cecilia to the point where they try to kill her. So, so begins the domino effect of everybody dying. Yep. Hervé dies. Hervé's dad dies. How does he die? He was going to go kill Cecilia at the cliffs. Cecilia's mother shows up and throws him off of the cliffs. Um, then uh, you have all these different things happen. Uh, Matt, you were about to say something. I heard you. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say I love that after all this death, all this craziness, like it's all topped off with her forgetting everything. Oh, yeah. So her mother um, was the one that saved Cecilia. Uh, we find out at the end of this chapter that her mother is the hag that everybody's been talking about. So when doctor, when the doctor... Um, Dr. Lester was killed and we saw that woman, the hooded woman standing over him with the knife. That was her. It's Cecilia, Ellen's mother. Now, um, at the end of this chapter, we meet up with her at the hinge and Suzette, which is Hervé's younger sister, She comes with us. She sees the hag and ambushes her and stabs her with her switchblade. And then we see while she's dying, it's actually Ellen's mother. So, who's been going around killing everybody in town? It's been Suzette this whole time. This this reveal felt like it was like a passing comment. Did it feel like that to you? Yeah, absolutely. Because it just like said, it, it, sh- oh. it should have been a marquee reveal. Yeah, like who killed Doctor Lester? It actually wasn't the Hag. It wasn't. It wasn't. Um, uh, you know, Ellen's mother. It was actually Suzette. And they and the knife was actually she had pulled the knife out of Dr. Lester when she found him there. And I'm just like, yeah, but wouldn't they have talked about that a little bit more? It was like a little passing thing. Yeah, that that was actually my number one thought, is I'm like, why... Like, they they have a, a, a complicated enough story, but, like, th- this is the type of thing you build up to, right? Like, this ought to be a, a powerful moment. And, yeah, it was just kind of washed washed away yeah so 
the hag was actually um the person we thought was going around killing people was actually um Ellen's mother who wasn't killing anybody. Well, she did kill some people. But um she ended up killing uh Hervé's father uh 17 years ago because he was trying to kill Cecilia or Ellen. Um and then um she ends up killing uh Ryan, the guy that was working with uh Harriet because he was trying he he was on the behalf of Harriet he was trying to figure out how Cecilia could talk to fairies and how she could learn to heal people cuz Harriet wanted to get her legs back but Ryan then we always thought Ryan was just trying to help in the flashbacks, but he was actually like accosting <laughs> Cecilia and, uh, uh, Cecilia's mom, uh, killed him too. And then she sent Cecilia off and said, your name is now Ellen and don't worry about me. 17 years later, Ellen receives a letter from her mother, which is actually not her mother. It's actually Hervé's mom who tracked her down and is trying to lure her back to Doolin Village to kill her, finish the job. And that's when we see her fall off of the uh, the cliffs because, well, Ellen's mom's still there and she's she's protecting her baby at all costs. So that's our that's our story that we get up to this point. There's one more big reveal. Um but first after beating both leaders of each other's side, uh we decide we have to make a choice. Uh Ellen has to make a choice. She either pulls the staff, or not the staff, but the spear out of the tree and reverts everything back or she leaves it. Even though we don't really get a choice here, uh, she, she makes up the choice for herself when it's revealed that the fairy lord has obviously been trying to do something evil the entire time. Yeah, go figure. He is very angry and vindictive toward human beings and he wants to set everything back the way it was because human beings, their memories eventually evaporate. And they will, and if anything is ever forgotten in the nether realm, it stops existing. So he wants to basically make it to where humans don't exist anymore. And that's when Ellen's like, yeah, well, what that, that spear's staying then. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, he takes off after finding out about this and, um, tries to go into where the, I guess the core actually is. And then the core stabs him with like a shadow sword. Yeah. <laughs> and then he dies. Um, and that, that core, uh, is basically 
fear if I'm remembering correctly and yeah is, is that the core I guess because I, I thought the core was just the two trees that's what that I thought area. too that's what I thought too but I don't know what this big black blob is it is fear because it's it's revealed later on but so all of the fairy lord sub you know subjects are pretty much gone with the exception of one person and that is the scarecrow the little handler for ellen and the scarecrow decides to suck up all that fear all the fear of death in the world and he is going to unleash it on the living world. And it will basically make human beings so fearful of death that they won't be able to live anymore. Why is he doing this? I don't know. Yeah, this is kind of like a twist ending, I guess. Right, like the scarecrow is just behind everything. Well, see, the scarecrow was born out of Ellen. Yeah, out of out of her wish, basically. Yeah, her wish was that no one would need to be able to. No one should be afraid anymore. Nobody should fear death anymore. And then the the scarecrow came from that wish, and says, "Okay, well, we'll we'll do our best to keep fear away from everybody." But now Which, it turns on her? Well, I, you know, in some ways I, I kind of like that as, as like a true end boss, right? Like if, if you, if you're meant to be thinking through this game that you're going to fight one or the other, the Fairy Lord or, or Levon, if there's going to be something that comes out of nowhere in a way to be the real end boss or the, the guy behind the scenes, the, the reason we're all here, it, it kind of makes sense that it would be, you know, from her birth. I mean, everything basically in this entire game revolves around Ellen. So it, it kind of makes sense in that in that way. So I, I, I like that struggle also where she basically the scarecrow was born out of her maybe childish, maybe somewhat naive desire, um, you know, and it gets twisted in kind of the way wishes sometimes get and now you know now she's got to overcome that she's got to you know t take her place the adult her has to best the the child her like she needs to become a unified being I, I don't know there's a lot of bits of metaphor i think that you could put into this but you know it i i, I kind of liked it as an end boss at least conceptually sure so it's all uh, crow-based because it's a scarecrow. Um, while I thought the first phase of this with... Um, with Ellen? With Keats. Because you have to first, oh, yeah, fight him, first fight him with Keats. I thought that was pretty easy. The second yeah. part, not so much. Yeah, the second part wasn't as easy, but even when I was dying a little bit in the second part, I actually was pretty happy because there there's actually like a lot of things you're keeping track of. Yeah. So there's there's multiple at the all right, so let's just go ahead and say uh, it starts off with Keats fighting him and you have to fight the two there's two 
bird heads. Yeah, an ice crow and a fire crow. Yeah. Use fire on the ice, use ice on the fire. Easy peasy. The second one, there's like seven crow heads, and each of them have a different element to them. Um, but I found out that the, 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 the my, my Mike Tyson guy who just runs and punches at the same time did damage <laughs> to almost all of them. Yeah. So I just kept spamming that problem is, is like he'd throw so many things at you. Yeah. If you not got these crows flying at you, trying to hit you. Yeah. Flocks you, of crows, flocks of crows. Then you got like lightning bolts coming after you. There's black holes, black holes. <laughs> That knock you down. Little balls of lightning. Yeah. I'm just like, what the crap? I can't fight all this, you know? There's bubbles. There's laser beams. Yeah, laser beam. I forgot about the laser beams. But yeah, it's 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 an intense fight. And the thing is, no life drops whatsoever. Yep. You gotta, I actually, you, at one point, I ran all as far away from the scarecrow. I, I kept calling it a tree, like the scarecrow tree. I, I just ran a, as far back toward the screen as I could. I'm like, well, there's got to be something hidden back here, right? Some kind of life? No, there definitely wasn't. No, no, there's nothing. You have to do this in one life bar. So, um, yeah. Uh, fight. I, I, I like this last level, though. I mean, it was a bit of a pain with the with the uh, the, the distance, right? Because if you figure all, the last level was all of those fights. It was the Fairy Lord. It was Levon. It was... Scarecrow in multiple parts, and you know that, that, that's a hefty amount of fighting to do for a last level. And I didn't love the amount of time it took to get to it, but all the fights I thought were the most complex four fights in the game. I mean, that's not saying much. There aren't that many major boss fights, but you know, but but these were all a bit more involved. Where you know you are having to pay attention not just to what folks you're using and the patterns of the boss, but most of these fights have other things going on, like companion enemies or, you know, balls of lightning and flocks of crows. So there's, I don't know. They were, they were delightfully chaotic, I think in a way, but they weren't like so chaotic. Like they were, they were simple patterns for the most part. You just had to pay attention to them. And the one part, every time I would get burned, you know, in, in, what you might consider one of the best marks of a game is every time I got burned, I'm like, shit, that was my fault. I tried to get an extra hit in with my guy or I started this too late. I knew it was too late. I thought I could get one in and then I got hit. And there were a lot more of those moments where I overcommitted and took damage rather than something feeling glitchy or unfair. Like you, you could play that level super conservatively and it would be super easy to never get hit. But you can't do that because then you'll never damage the boss. And to me, again, that that's another good sign of a good fight is you're you're laying it on me when I when I hurt myself. Right. And I thought I thought especially this last fight, but basically all four of these last fights, I I thought really nailed that that level of when I when I'm frustrated, I realize it's my fault. <laughs> yeah, I would uh, I would agree with that. I think so. Especially the last one, because you never have to get hit. I mean, it's not that hard. Like that, if if you're constantly moving, you'll never get hit by one of the black holes. Most of the other enemies travel very slowly. The balls of lightning, the laser beams, the bubbles—none of that stuff moves fast yeah. or erratically. 
So, you know, you know, it's really up to you how, how much risk you want to put in to try to get that extra hit. And I, I don't know. I just, I thought that was a really good design. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was, it was definitely an intense fight for me. I was just like, Oh God, this is, if I lose here, how far <laughs> back am I going to go? Yeah. There's a real penalty for death. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, after beating him, uh, we stopped the, we stop all the fear going into the human beings, the living world. And, uh, Everything kind of wraps up kind of quickly here. Like we, yeah, we get most yeah. of the story right before this. Yep. Um, the the only big reveal that I can think of is Keats. So, yeah, I think I must have missed something here because I kept waiting for the big Keats reveal, and I'm like, I'm not sure I get this. Yeah, I don't either. So, basically what happens is, so we know Keats is a writer for a paranormal magazine. And he's sitting, he, he, he wants to go to Ellen's room in Doolin. And when he gets there, he finds a magazine. It's one of his magazines that he works for. And the last issue was in 1989, which was 17 years ago uh, because this game was made in 2007. And so he starts laughing because he finds a picture. It was a picture uh, that was drawn by Cecilia or Ellen, uh, when they were children. And it's a childish picture of Keats. And then it has like a little bit of a flashback of Hervé and Cecilia. And Cecilia gives Hervé a picture that she drew of him. And it's the same picture. And Keats then realizes that he is actually he doesn't her. exist. Is is that it? So I, I figured there were two options here. Either he realized he never really existed, and he was like manifestation of Ellen's mind as a child, or he was some kind of well, because Hervey died, as far as the game tells us. So is he some kind of netherworld version of Hervey? They don't necessarily set this up as real humans definitely have counterparts, or, or did they early in the game? Yeah, yeah, they do, I guess. So was he just an aged version of dead Hervey? Or did he never exist? I, I, I was trying to decide if it was one of those two options. Alright, so. Let me... I'm looking it up because I, I have to know. Folklore video game. Is there anywhere that will tell you specifically? That's a good question. I'm at the Wikipedia page right now. Plot. Here we go. 
Along the way, they meet a, ver a variety of different characters like Scarecrow and Belle Gay, who help both of them quest throughout the game. Players learn about the chaos in Netherworld. Eventual goal is to reach the core to the Netherworld and fix it. The game takes two different perspectives. Appearance of the hag. The people murdered are the only ones who knew the truth. Okay, that didn't help me. <laughs> Plot. Okay. This may be a nightmare. Chapter 7. Can't find it. Okay, so it says here on the the folklore discussion. Here we go. So as I understand it, Keats was a half-life, or just thought up by Ellen. She says his office is another part of the netherworld, and his magazine expired 17 years ago. The drawing was a picture of Cecilia and Hervey when he grows up, which of course is a spitting image of Keats, so Ellen must have thought Keats in her mind. My questions are, we know Scarecrow is made up as well, but what happened with Ellen after she pierced herself? She lost blood and then went to the hospital and Hervey gave his to save her life. Then mm -hmm. she left the village 17 years, came back and went to the netherworld to recapture her memories. Why, after pier piercing herself and giving the blood, did she not get to save Hervey? Was it set up so that she would later return to the netherworld to help save people and to keep the spear and the tree? Uh... So, um, apparently... Keats is a half-life. What does that mean? So, Scarecrow and the Invisible Man are half-lives. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. I don't... Uh... I guess I still don't exactly know what that means. They're smarter folk? Or half alive, half folk. Half life. Okay. Half lives are essentially creatures who are born of powerful desires. Half lives are created when someone has a desire or wish so powerful. Once born, they carry a purpose throughout their life. Some half lives don't know what their purpose is, but all seek to someday mm -hmm. fulfill that purpose. So. Uh, it has been said, uh, the problem is that when Half-Life does fulfill its purpose, it loses its purpose, thus has no reason to be, and cease to exist. It has been said that Half-Lifes are born from the dead. This means that they are either reincarnations or previously dead individuals or something else. While most Half-Lifes generally look monstrous, they do usually seem humanoid in shape, and at least once a Half-Life has been human enough to walk amongst people without raising suspicion. Additionally, if the individual making the wish that creates the Half-Life has some concept of what a Half-Life might look like, or has a mental image connected to that wish, the Half-Life will take the form of that conceived image. So there you go. 
I guess uh, Keats is essentially that. So does he die at the end of the game? That I don't know. I am not entirely sure. Uh, Maybe, because the last scene we see is Keats in his office-looking area, writing down notes and stories. And Ellen's there, and she's like, so this is still part of the netherworld. So I think Keats is the the wish that Hervé had grew up. Yeah, that makes sense. So it really is all about Ellen. Yeah. Yeah. I so I'm I'm really torn because again I like the story a lot. I just don't love the way it's told. I don't love the way the bits are doled out. Because, you know, even even this could have been made more impactful. Maybe they left it a bit ambiguous intentionally, but you know, this could have been a part of the 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 end reveals that that were you know that made more of an impact, I guess. I don't. I don't know. I feel the same way. I think uh, I, I'm glad that they at least explored more of that Netherworld story because I figured that was just going to be a throwaway thing. Yeah, I thought that basically started out as really cool backstory that got better once once it got integrated more. And I think the dueling story also gets better, but it doesn't. You know, it's just not told in a in a powerful way. The problem is, is that the dueling story has already been told to us piecemeal, and then they give it all to us at one time at the end. And yep. m- most of that stuff is, I, I know this happened. I know, I know, I know. And then, like, oh, and by the way, it, you know, every everything basically revolves around Ellen. Which we kind of knew to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. So the whole like the the story as an aspect of this game is a tough one for me to evaluate because there's some parts that I really liked and some parts that I didn't. But I mean, in many ways, that is how I feel about the whole the whole game. I mean, the combat also. I I I really like the basic combat, but I wish that they did a bit more with it. I really like the story, but I wish it was told a bit better. I really like the world and the lore. Maybe I wish you got to see a bit more of it, right? The, the, there's enough repetition in here that I, I don't feel quite like I explored as much as I wanted to. So for every, I think to me this is a game that's chock full of fantastic ideas. They just don't necessarily gel really well together. I feel like there was no need to go through the, the five chapters twice. Yeah, other than that it would have been a really short game without it, but that's not really an excuse. I don't know if it would have been that short, though, because it's, it feels like the first time I went through a chapter, it took maybe hour and a half, two hours. Then the second time through it, 30 minutes tops. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I I, I went through them all first with Ellen, and to me, Ellen's parts were much, much harder both because she didn't, she wasn't quite as powerful, it seemed, but also because it was the first time through. Exactly. So, I mean, yeah, sure, this was what... How, how many hours do you think you put in this? Fifteen? 
Yeah, I was I was gonna say sixteen. Okay. Just you know, I I'm sure I replayed a bit more than the average person did. Yeah. So we could have easily maybe shaved off four hours, and it'd have been a ten to eleven hour game. I'm okay with that. Yeah. I was just I I don't think we needed to do that. I get why they did it, but I was just like, you're not giving us more detail if we're playing through it with a different character. You know. Yep. Um, I did like the lore in it. I thought that was interesting. I was, I was glad that, you know, they connected the netherworld to the, to the living world. Yeah, I, me too. Cause I figured it was just a throwaway story that I don't, I do, I'm just skimming through cause I don't really care. Who cares? I, I want to see what's happening in Doolin village. What happened 17 years ago, but everything's now connected and it makes more sense that way. So I think they got that right. Um, I think it was just the delivery was kind of off. And I, Matt, I think you liked the combat more than I did. I thought the combat was okay. I didn't think it was, I'm, I'm sure I'm, maybe I was playing it dumbly. Like I was playing it, you know, just like a button masher almost. Um, yeah. And, and I get it. That's my fault. Um, but you can get away with it. That's the thing. Like if you, if you want me to explore more of the combat, in a more strategic way, you need to make your fights n- not button mashy. Yeah, agreed. And I think they did a good job of that on, on the bosses. But yeah. the, the 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 regular enemies, you know, a combination of it being a bit button mashy and the fact that everything slows down when you have to pull out spirits, souls, uh, that you know that didn't help. The, kind of the pacing and the flow of the combat, I don't think. That didn't help the game one iota. I hated every time I had to do that. Yeah, if if they had left it, for example, only at the boss fights, and it was like one fresh mechanic every level, sure. I would have been okay with that. I'm okay because with I, that. I didn't generally hate them the first times, so I just hated the fact that it took up so much of my time. Yeah. So I, I think they could have done a better job with with that six axis mechanic too not that in any way that's a, a a strength of the game yeah i feel the same way yeah i'm a little torn i'm i'm a little saddened that it it's not as amazing as i thought but i'm i'm glad that we went through it i think you know, it's, I, I, it was an okay game you know yeah I, yeah i didn't hate my time with it and and it and it felt different you know to me it was i i, I don't know I, I like i said in the, i think the first episode i just I, I like the style of the game i like collecting the different folk i love you know I, I like the way that you have quick access to more than one of them you know and for the most part i liked playing the game you know i i especially like that the very first boss the first big boss is like what the frog in the swamp mm-hmm like that one I really liked because, uh, you know, I hadn't learned much of really how the game works yet at that point, and I liked just testing out swarms of different folk and being like, all right, this one hits it, this one doesn't, you know, and, and kind of cycling through and trying to figure out the pattern that way. That was also before I, I knew about the, the pages and the books that kind of help you along there, but I, I I don't know. Like I just I like the way that the game is laid out. I like. I like the dichotomy of having two characters and they're both drawn to this mysterious village. Yeah. 
and they play a little bit differently. I wish they were more different. I wish the levels were more different, but I really like the setup of the game. I like the basis of the game, the lore. I I basically like every part of this game. I just, it just wasn't, you know, it wasn't as good as the sum of its parts, I think. Yeah. I think, I think that's it. Liked it, didn't love it. Yep. Yeah. So, I'm glad we finally did it, though. But, uh, yeah, that's, um, that's kind of all I got. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, me too. I'd like to play, uh, Majin and the Forsaken Kingdom at some point now. That's a good one. That's a fun one. Um, I guess that's probably as close it's close to sequel as we get, right? Um, yeah. That's, uh, uh, that's a if it feels like a very different game though, mm. but uh, it's that's a really good game. Um, but yeah, uh, so uh, our next game that we're gonna do, we're gonna finally put put the nail in the coffin to The Witcher Three <laughs> with uh, Blood and Wine. Um, so here's where I tell you guys, and I tell Matt. Can we wait a week? Because <laughs> my job is still crazy demanding right now. Yeah. And I I have two reviews that are two months late now. <laughs> and I haven't finished them. And my work is supposed to ease up come the end of this week. So. Yeah. yeah. I'm okay with maybe possibly recording another intermission if you want or something like that. We'll have to come up with a topic. But um, next week I will try to start some of Blood and Wine, at least try and get a little bit of a head start. But um, I need a week to get my work stuff situated because it's finally starting to ease up so I can get back to playing some games at, at, at every once in a while. So um I just ask that everybody uh be patient with us. <laughs> if that's okay yeah, with you. It's Matt. a it's a journey, right? Yeah, I know it. It's it's No, there's no there's no point in trying to hammer this out. I mean, there's a few other things going on in the world and you know, the, the this level of work that you have to do is is crazy at the moment. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, I I, w- I actually was only giving it about fifty fifty that you would finish this game for this week. Yeah, no. Given that, like the the last level for me took way longer than I thought. Yeah, it was just that, one, it, it had to be one of those like, all right, sit down, stop it. We need to. Yeah. We, I, I you know, that's all you could do. But yeah, I uh, it's uh yeah, I'm I so for the record, uh, today which is the twenty eighth. Uh, marks 20 days I have worked consecutively without a day off. That's insane. Yeah. And I'm going to be working Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and hopefully have next Saturday off. Not this Saturday, but next Saturday off. That's wild. I'm always, you know, complaining to myself that I'm working a lot, but, you know, that's your hours put me to shame. Dude, it's not just me. There's four of my coworkers who have been doing the exact same thing. Yeah, that, that's 
that that's tough because that's the kind of thing that will push out even your best people. Exactly. So yeah, that's where I'm standing right now. But hopefully that'll end next week. We'll see. But that's uh that's gonna be it for us. Um you can follow us on Twitter. I am at Drew Leachman, Matt is at REMGS, and the podcast itself is at ZTGD Phoenix Down. Like I said, we are gonna be doing Blood and Wine next time, um or the next game. Um so if you are playing along with us and I know a few people are planning on it, please send us some emails. It is Drew at ZTGD.com. I'll read them out on the show and uh, tell us what your adventures of Geralt of Rivia versus the vampires. One last hurrah. Yep. It's, it's a long hurrah, too. I mean, we're looking at, what, 30, 40 hours for Blood and One? Is it that long? Yeah. I thought it was just over 20. No, nah, from what I understand, it's like like almost the length of the base game. I specifically haven't looked into this too much because, you know, I already love Witcher Three, and I'm I'm partial to vampires, so I don't want to spoil any of this because, I just I'm I'm really looking forward to it, and I really just want to like sink into it, night after night. Uh, let's see here. The second expansion, Blood and Wine, arrives first quarter 2016. It is around 20 hours in length, but from my experience, uh, it always grows. It's like a uh, yeah. In The Witcher Three, we plan uh, the main story for 50 hours and side activities for 50 hours. So, it could be anywhere from 20 to 50 hours. <laughs> I guess we'll see. I'm excited to get into it because I love Witcher Three. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's going to be it for us. Um, I do appreciate everybody listening. Uh, until next time, I am Drew. And I am Matt. And we're out of here. You guys have a great week. Stay safe out there as usual. And uh, we'll be back maybe next week with an intermission. If not, we'll be back in two weeks with The Witcher 3 Blood and Wine.